And Father, we thank you, Lord God. The entrance of your word gives us light. It gives us understanding. Lord, it's a solid foundation for us to build our lives upon. And Father, we do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Open your Bibles once again to Romans, the eighth chapter. We're talking about how to be led by the Spirit of God. It's one of the most important things that you can learn because we need to be led by His Spirit so that we don't fall into the traps and the things that the enemy has out there. Amen. How many found out that the devil's going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour? But we know this, he's defeated and under our feet. Glory to God. But God wants to lead us and guide us. He wants to show us things to come. He wants to do all these things for us in our life. And if we'll learn to be sensitive to the voice of our spirit, his spirit speaks to our spirit, then and let be led by that, then he'll help us to make the right decisions. Amen. To avoid wrong decisions, to avoid traps. Amen. Different kind of things that you can get involved in that may sound good but are not good. You may not know that. But God does. Amen. So that's why it's important to be led by the Spirit. Hallelujah. It's un- very unfortunate that a large group of the body of Christ, and remember I talk about the body of Christ, we're talking about billions of people around the world don't know anything about being led by the Spirit. Amen. But we need to know. The Bible is very clear about it, so we need to take advantage of it. Hallelujah. All right. In Romans, the 8th chapter, beginning with the 14th verse, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Then again in the 16th verse, the Spirit Himself, it says itself in the King James, should say Himself, the Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now notice that, He bears witness with what? Our spirit. Amen. Not with our heads, not with our minds, He bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amen? And then in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, it says the spirit of man, once again, is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Amen? So where's your spirit at? Right on the inside of you, right here. The inward man, the inner man. Hallelujah. We talked about the fact that John 14 says that God is a spirit. Uh, not, not John 14, John 4 uh, actually, beginning verse 19 through 24, but he said that God is a spirit. Amen. And we must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let us make man our own image. So if God's a spirit and he created man in his image, then that means man is a spirit. Hallelujah. First and foremost, man is a spirit being. We have a soul. We live in a body. Amen. Say it out loud. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. Hallelujah. Amen. It's extremely important that we understand that. Then we looked at James chapter 1, and we talked about the fact that the Bible says in James 1, to receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. Now, that word save there means to restore, to renew. The word soul means your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so we need to receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to restore our soul our mind, our will, and our emotions. Amen? We need that to be restored, to be renewed. That's what we need. And in Romans, the 12th chapter, remember the 
Paul said, present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, so we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Amplified Bible says, even that which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you, so that you can know emphatically what God's perfect will is for you as an individual, you need to study the Bible, amen, to get your mind renewed to begin to think the right way. Because remember, we talked about that. Before we're born again, our conscience, which is the voice of our spirit, is not a safe guide because it's been run roughshod over by our flesh and by our mind with wrong thinking and wrong thoughts. But when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we're born again. But our souls are not saved, okay? They're not renewed. They're not born again. Our spirit man's born again. Our soul, our mind, will, emotions is not born again. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that your soul, we're talking about literally what the Bible says. We're not talking about how somebody may have translated it. We're talking about how it would say it in the Greek or how it would say it in the Hebrew. Nowhere does the Bible does it say that your soul is saved. Amen? No, you're spirit man. You're recreated. You become a brand new spirit. Hallelujah. Why? Because your spirit was dead, so now you're alive. So you're brand new in your spirit, man, not in your soul, okay? Not in your flesh. And so we have to renew our mind, and we have to take control of our flesh. The Bible talks about crucifying the flesh, and that's what it feels like sometimes. Amen? Your flesh likes to do what it's been doing for all these years, and when you tell it no, it doesn't like that. How many found that to be true? Amen? Hallelujah. All right, now, notice what it says here. Let's go to, uh, well, we covered a lot of that a couple of different times. So let's, let's just move on. Uh, let's to turn, if you would, to uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. We want to talk about the inward man and the significance of, it, of being led by our inward man or by our spirit man. Hallelujah. So in 1 Peter chapter 3, notice what it says here. Talking about what is the inner man. Here Peter's talking to wives, but he's also talking to the husbands. So ladies, don't get upset, okay? Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be one. I'm going to wait just a minute. I hear pages rustling. Hallelujah. Okay. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, that they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Now what that means is the word conversation means lifestyle or your conduct. In other words, how you live your life can draw your husband to Christ. Or you can drive him away from Jesus. You can do one or the other. Amen. Huh? I mean, some ladies, unfortunate, you know, have a tendency to try to, you know, they think if they nag their husband to church, then they'll get him to get saved. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to get saved. Amen. No, what we do is our lifestyle, our manner of life, our conduct. That's what will draw him in. There's a man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth who was mightily, mightily used of God. Amen. I mean, most that we modern era. And this gentleman raised 23 people from the dead. Now that's documented. Now you think about that. 23 people documented raised from the dead through his ministry. I mean, as far as going into a funeral home, 
by the leading of the Spirit and snatching somebody out of a casket. Literally. And against the wall and said, I command you to walk in the name of Jesus. And he fell into a heap. And he did that three times. He picked him up, shoved him against the wall again. He fell into a heap. He picked him up the third time, shoved him into the wall, said, I command you to walk in the name of Jesus. And the man took off walking. Now think about that. Amen. That's pretty intense, isn't it? Hallelujah. I read, you know, he talked about being in, a, in, in, you know, praying for someone who was dying, you know, a lady in the bedroom, and the power of God came in and lifted the whole bed up off the floor. Hallelujah. God healed her and raised her up. Amen. Praise the Lord. Mightily used the God. I would think that would be considered mightily, wouldn't you think so? Amen. Had revival on every continent, inhabited continent of the of the you know, of the world. He, he, everyone he was he everyone that was inhabited he went to that he had revival there. Hallelujah. I mean he was arrested for practicing medicine without a license, but didn't care. Just kept preaching the gospel. The devil one night he was he was he was awakened by a sound in his in his home there in England. And he woke up and he walked down the stairs and the devil was sitting in his rocking chair, rocking back and forth. He just looked at him and saw it's just you and he went back to bed. <laughs> by the devil or anything else. Yeah. Only by the word of God. Now, Smith Wigglesworth was not always saved. He started working at the age of eight because he didn't have any child labor laws back then. And so his wife was a Salvation Army preacher. And so she loved God. And so he told her one night that she shouldn't go to church. And she said, Smith, I love you, but I love you. And so I'm not staying home for you or anybody else. I'm going to the house of God. And so she did, and he locked her out. Now think about it. He locked her out, and she didn't beat on the door or anything. She grabbed, you went to open the door, it was locked, and so she just sat there on the stoop and leaned up against the door and went to sleep. And whenever he woke up in the morning, he came down, opened the door, and there she was sitting on the stoop, leaning against the door. And she got up, didn't say a word to him, got up, walked into the kitchen, and cooked his favorite breakfast. Amen. That, draw, that drew him to Jesus. That caused him to get born again. When he saw her conduct, when he saw her life, now there's a couple different things. Number one, the first one was she wasn't going to compromise for him or anybody else. Now, that's a big deal, especially in the society we live in today. She wasn't giving in for him or anybody else. I love you, Smith, but I love God more. I love Jesus more. So she wasn't going to go against Jesus for anybody. But then she proved her love for him by not you know, screaming at him or hollering at him or anything. She could have said, you rank sinner, you no good for nothing, you know, that's it, get out. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. No, she went in and cooked his favorite breakfast. And that drew him to God. Amen. And whenever she got home, got old enough to go home to be with the Lord, he wasn't there in the meeting when she died. They came and got him. He went down, he went, he went down to where she was at. He grabbed her and he raised her from the dead. And the Lord, and, she, and when she came back, she said, Smith, let me go. I want to go home. I want to go be with the Lord. And he said to the Lord, he said, the only way I'm going to let her go is if I get her anointing on top of the anointing you put on me. I want both of them. Yes. And the Lord said, okay. So he let her go to heaven. 
Hallelujah. And he got her anointing too. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? Amen. But see, it was by her conversation, her conduct, how she lived, that drew him to God. Could have drove him away from God, but, it, but she didn't. She drew him to God. So likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Verse 3, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating of the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. Now, let's stop, take this little side journey here. He's not talking about you not being able to wear makeup, ladies, like some people do preach. He's not talking about whether you can wear jewelry. It hits them what he's saying. Because if he was talking about that, he'd also have to talk about you shouldn't wear clothes. I'm not making it up. We just read it. He said, who's adorning, let it not be the, that outward adorning of the plating of the hair and the wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. in the apparel clothes? Yeah. So if he's telling you you can't fix your hair and he's telling you you can't wear gold or jewelry or makeup or whatever, he's also telling you you can't wear clothes. Well, it's quite obvious that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is don't spend all your time working on the outward man and not work on the inward man. Because he goes on and says this, verse 4, But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So what he's saying is, don't spend all your time working on the outward man, but work on the hidden man of the heart. Work on your spirit man. So make sure you feed your spirit and learn to be led by your spirit. Why? Because he said, it's an ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection under their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Now, are you trying to say we're supposed to call our husbands Lord? Not at all. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is you should respect them as the head of the house. Wives are supposed to respect their husbands. Amen. But in the same token, if we look at what the true marriage vows are in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, those are truly the only marriage vows that we have. Most of the vows that people take in weddings today are unscriptural. Are you listening? If you want true wedding vows, you've got to go to Ephesians chapter 5. Wives, submit to your own husbands in the Lord. But then it goes on to say, husbands, love your wives and give yourself for them, even as Christ gave himself for the church. So you lay your life down for your wife. That's the attitude that you have. Amen. Hallelujah. And prior to that, in the 21st verse, he says, submit to one another. So we need to be able to be submissive to one another as well, husbands and wives. Why? Because if you're born again, you both got the Holy Ghost. I thank God for my wife. She's a born again, spirit filled woman that loves God. And I value her opinion. And I don't just do things without asking her what she thinks about it. Even if I feel like the Lord said something to me, I'll still ask her what you think about it. Now, if, I'm, if I know emphatically the Lord's the one that spoke to me, then I have to do it what God says. But one thing over the years is I've earned her trust. 
because she knows I don't just go off half cocked after things. And so I've, I've earned her trust. And so she knows if I say that I really feel this is what the Lord's saying to do, then she puts her faith in me being able to hear from God. But also, she knows that the buck stops with me, and if I was to miss it, I have to stand before God for that. Amen? So we work together. But I value what she says. I value the fact that she hears from God. Amen? (coughs) Hallelujah. All right, verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Now watch this. That your prayers be not hindered. See, sometimes couples wonder why their prayers aren't working. Because you got to be treating one another right. Y'all with me? If you treat one another right, your prayers will work. The Amplified Bible says your prayers be hindered and cut off. That means you can cut your prayers off and God doesn't hear them if you're not doing things right as husband and wife. Talks about how wives are supposed to treat their husbands. Talks about husbands supposed to treat their wives. And when you do that, your prayers will work because your prayer of agreement will work because you'll be in agreement. Y'all listen? got quiet in here all of a sudden. I didn't know we put a Presbyterian sign out there. Amen. Hallelujah. But it's true nonetheless. We all know folks. Don't we? We even know folks in church. We know families in church, husbands and wives. Their prayers aren't working. Their faith's not working. You can tell it. Well, you've got to be walking together in love as husbands and wives. Amen. Doing it the right way. But the focus we want to make is the hidden man of the heart, your spirit man. That's the most important thing. Hallelujah. Being led by your spirit, being yielded to the spirit of God on the inside of you. Amen. Turn, if you would, to John's Gospel, chapter 3. See, we want to to find out if our spirit's going to be a safe guide. Hallelujah. But we have to understand it's our spirit, man. Not our flesh. Not our mind. It's our spirit where God leads us. And it's our spirit that God speaks to us through. Hallelujah. He lives in our spirit. So John chapter 3, glory to God. I'll wait just a minute. I still hear pages rustling. John chapter 3, verse 6. That which is born, well, let's back up. Verse 4. Nicodemus saith unto him, well, let's back up one more verse. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Hallelujah. So, Being born again is being born of the Spirit, reborn of the Spirit, not of the flesh. Your flesh is still wanting to do the same things it did before. It's not of your mind, your soul. It's not born again. It's still wanting to think the same things it thought before. So now you've got to do something about it. You've got to take control of what you think. 
You've got to renew your mind with the word of God. You've got to crucify the flesh. You've got to keep it under. You've got to tell it what it can and can't do. Are y'all listening to me? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, look at Romans chapter 7. Now, you've heard me talk about the age of accountability. This is where we get the age of accountability right here. It's from the seventh chapter of the book of Romans. Because Paul said, I was alive unto God once, and then sin revived, and I died. Okay. Well, we want to pick this up here in the 18th verse. And watch what he says here. For I know that in in, in me, that is, in my flesh... Now watch that. I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. See, that's because your flesh wants to do what it used to do. That's not a lot of good stuff. How many found that to be true? Amen. For the good that I would, verse 19, I do not. But the evil which I would not that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. You see, you delight after the law of God after the inward man, the spirit man. That's why it's so significant to understand that we're a spirit. Hallelujah. Because it's the inward man, the spirit man. Verse 23, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So you've got right here talking about your inward man, your spirit man, talking about the outward man, and then talking about your mind, which is your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. And how they three will fight against one another. Yeah. And when you're born again, you become alive unto God. Now you got the Spirit of God in your spirit. You still got the flesh that has nothing good in it. That's what the Apostle Paul said here. And then you've got your mind, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions that has to be renewed and get in line with your spirit so you can get an agreement together and take control of this flesh. Remember Amos 3.3, 3, how can two walk together except they be agreed? So you get your flesh under control by renewing your mind and get it into agreement with your spirit that's alive unto God. And then you take control of this flesh and you tell it what it's going to do and don't let it tell you what it's going to do. Amen. 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 And this flesh is a whole lot tougher than what you realize or what you want to admit. I would say it that way. Amen. I mean, if you don't think so, you just try to walk by a piece of, you know, strawberry pie. You know, or Alice's cheesecake, Jordan said. You just try to walk by and not stick your finger in that whipped cream. 
Now think about it. Your flesh, I'm telling you, your flesh, it, it, it decides what it wants to do. And if you let it, it'll do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it doesn't matter how bad it hurts itself in the process because your flesh is unregenerate. You have to take control of it. You have to crucify it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So, glory to God. <clears throat> the inner man, the real man, is born again. The soul has to be renewed and the flesh has to be crucified. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah in order for us to walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit, we must take control of the other aspects of our being. Glory to God. Now, we contact the Spirit world through our spirit man. We contact the intellectual realm of the world with our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we contact the physical world with our body. So because God's a spirit and he operates in the spiritual realm, then we contact him, the spirit realm, through our spirit man. Mm -hmm. And that's how he contacts our spirit. Yes. He speaks to us through our spirit. Yes, yes he does. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. Through our inward man. That's how God talks to us. Because that's where the Holy Ghost lives, is on the inside of us. Now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, the Amplified Bible says, the old moral spiritual condition is gone and a new one has come. Another translation says, you have a new self. In other words, you're different. You're new. You're a new self. Where? On the inward man. Amen. Your spirit man is alive unto God. You've been recreated. Hallelujah. So, because we're in Christ, we're a new creature. All things have passed away. All things are become new. The old moral, spiritual condition's gone. New ones come. Amen. So now, because you're a new creature, you have a new feature. Where? Out on the inside of you. Yeah. In your spirit man. You don't do the same things you used to do anymore. You don't act the same way you used to act anymore. You don't say the same things you used to say anymore. Amen. You know, there's a lot of people don't think twice about lying. We live in a world that's full of it. I mean, business people do it. They don't even think, they don't even bat an eye about it. I remember John came to me one time, you know, several years ago on the job. You know, his boss, they wanted to, this was the last time the fuel prices went through the roof. Aren't you glad you're not having to deal with it anymore? Amen. But the last time they went through the roof, and they wanted to put a, a fuel surcharge on. But they wanted the salespeople to tell their customers, their clients, that it was kind of a forced thing. 
When it wasn't, it was just a decision that they made as a company to do so. Well, they found out, and they weren't the only one because there's several other companies I know of, trucking companies, that found out they can make a whole lot more money by adding a fuel surcharge. Matter of fact, they said we made more money through the higher fuel prices than we ever made before because they just tack on these high-dollar fuel surcharges. So they wanted them to make it sound like it was something they had to do and not something that they had made a decision to do. And so John came to me. He said, you know, he said, they want me to lie. Now, they said all, told that to the, all the other salesmen. And what did they do? They went right along with it. Yeah. You listen to what I'm saying? Yeah. But John had a conflict of interest. Yeah. His spirit wouldn't let him do it. Yeah. He came to me and said, I'll have to quit my job. He said, I can't do that. I can't lie to those people. I said, no, you can't. I said, but this is what you do. You go to your boss and you tell him, if you want to put a surcharge on for fuel, that's your prerogative. It's your company. You can do whatever you want. I'm going to tell them that they're forcing us to do it. I'm telling them that's just our company policy. And if you want us to do that, that it's our policy. That's what you're telling me. I'll tell them that. It's your, our company policy that we have to add this surcharge. But I'm not going to lie to them about it. And so his boss told him, who, how, how, do you, how, do you, how did it all go? He said, I, I want to meet your pastor. <laughs> I told him my pastor said this. He said, I'd like to meet your pastor. Amen. Why? Because you can do it the right way. You don't have to. Yeah. See, he, the, the, but this is the point I'm making. His spirit wouldn't let him do it. Yeah, that's right. His heart would not let him do that. No. See, this is something you understand. You, you have to understand, is the Holy Ghost is not the one that convicts you as a believer of sin. Y'all listening? Yeah. It's not the Holy Ghost that convicts you of sin as a believer. It's your spirit. The Bible, if my heart condemns me not, then I have confidence towards God. So it's my heart that condemns me. My heart's I'm alive in the God. My spirit is alive in the God. The Holy Ghost lives in me. And so now I'm a new creature, and if I go to do wrong, my heart condemns me. So it's your spirit that convicts you of sin as a believer. The only sin that the Holy Ghost convicts people of is rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But when it comes to us as believers, if we miss it, our hearts condemn us. Our spirit man convicts us. Amen? Because why? We're alive unto God. We're not the old nature's passed away. The old moral spiritual condition's gone. What you may have done before, you can't do now. Amen. Why? Because you're a different person on the inside. That's you right. can't do that. Right. Why are we talking about stressness? Because this is setting us up to understand why our spirit can be a safe guide. Mm-hmm. Because you're alive unto God, you can't do the same things you used to do anymore. Because you'll be convicted in your own heart. Not by the Holy Ghost, but by your born-again heart. Your recreated spirit. Now you're alive in the God. You just can't do the same things you did before. You just can't do it. You can't lie. You all listening? Amen. When my wife and I got saved, we was uh, hiding out from the police, law enforcement, uh, because our 
the, our job at that time was not a legitimate legal job. It was a lucrative job, but it was not a legal job. And so then we got born again. So after we got born again, we lost, I lost my job. Couldn't do that same thing anymore. And so we was like, we had no food. Literally no food. I mean, we had some oatmeal. Now, I don't know if you ever ate oatmeal with just water. You had no sugar. You had no butter. You had no cinnamon or anything to put in it. Just plain oatmeal sucks. Just going to put it out there to you. I mean, and we, and we had that for weeks, and it was awful. And, uh, you know, it took me years and years and years to eat oatmeal again. Because I just couldn't stand it. I had better food in jail. And that's, that's saying a lot. But uh, so we thought, well, we'll go down, you know, because back then they had general assistance. You may remember general assistance. So we'll go down right now till we get a new job and stuff. <laughs> we'll go down and we'll just sign up for it. Because I paid in, you know, for several years, you know, she paid in for several years. So we thought, we'll just go get some help. And so we went down, and so they had, I had to have a legitimate job, and I hadn't had one for a while. And so what are you going to do? Well, the old nature's right there trying to creep in. And uh, I knew that there was a friend of mine who owned a fur company down in Baldwin, and I knew that if I said I worked for him, he would vouch for me. So I told them that. Man, as soon as I did, I was convicted. And we drove home. And uh, I mean, I was just so beat up on the inside. And it wasn't the Holy Ghost. It was my spirit. I was just so grieved in my spirit because I lied to that lady. And uh, I wouldn't have thought twice about it before. But I couldn't wait for daytime. I said, Lord, what do I do? He said, you go back up there and you tell that lady that you lied to her. You just go in there and be honest with her. Just tell her you lied to her. And you tell her that your God's going to take care of you and you don't need her general assistance. And so I went back up there first time, that when, right when they opened up. And I walked in there and she said, Mr. Harbison, she said, what can I do for you? I said, I just had to tell you, I lied to you yesterday. I didn't work at that place. And so my God told me to tell you that he's going to supply my need and I don't need your general assistance. And so she looked at me and she said, whoa, 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 okay. And I just thanked her and turned around and walked out. When I got out in the car, I just started bawling like a baby. I mean, tears were streaming down my eyes because I felt so clean because I got it right. Because my heart was condemning me because I missed the mark. Y'all listening? I missed it and I couldn't take it. I had to get it right. I had to get it fixed. And I drove down the road with tears streaming down my face and one hand out the window just praising and worshiping God because I felt like I got born again all over again. Why? Because I got that out of my heart. I didn't let that get on the inside of me. Amen? Y'all listen to what I'm saying? Hallelujah. 
See, your heart condemns you. If your heart condemns you not, then you have confidence towards God. But if your heart convicts you, you can't. I couldn't pray. I couldn't do anything with that on the inside of me. I couldn't do it. I mean, I just felt so bad. I said, God, what do I do? Just felt like he's gone, like the heavens were brass. He said, you go back up there and tell her you don't need it. You tell her you lied. So I went right back up there and told her I lied. Yeah. Hallelujah. You listen to what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's not, your, it's not the Holy Ghost that convicts you because he's not who convicted me. It was my own heart that convicted me. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. All right. So the inward man needs to be the dominant force in your life. He needs to be the one in control. You need to be led by him, your spirit man, the real you, and not by your flesh, and not by your mind, your will, and your emotions. Notice again in Romans the 8th chapter. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. His spirit bears witness with our spirit, verse 16, hallelujah, that we are the children of God. So let your spirit man be the dominant force in your life. Don't be led by your flesh. Don't be led by your mind, your will, and your emotions, but be led by the Spirit. For that is the very first way and the dominant, predominant way that God will lead us is by the inward witness or the inward intuition. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. All right, now. Living in the New Covenant, this is what we've got to be concerned about. And I talk about it frequently because it's so important to us. In the society in which we live, and I'm talking about the church world, if we're not careful, we could, we, you know, there, there's a tendency to want to be led by ministers or led by prophets. Now, do I believe in the prophetic ministry? Absolutely. I can prove it to you over and over and over in the scripture that they exist even today in the new covenant. But they don't have the same status in the new covenant as they did in the old covenant. In the Old Covenant, remember, the only people that had the Holy Ghost was a prophet, priest, and a king. And so the normal everyday people did not have the Spirit of God living on the inside of them. So in order for them to be led or be get, get direction from God, they had to go to the prophet and have them inquire to God on their behalf. But we don't need that in the New Covenant because in the New Covenant, now we're born again and all of us have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus talked to the woman at the Samaritan well. He said, if you accept what he was doing, he said, I'll give you a well of water that springs up to everlasting life. That's the born again experience. Then there's another experience beyond that. John chapter 7, Jesus got up in the day of the feast and said, if any of you thirst, let him come and drink. And out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they had not received yet because he had not yet been glorified. Talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Jesus said to the disciples in Luke, the 24th chapter, don't go anywhere and do anything until you receive the endowment of power from on high, the promise of the Father. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then Luke recorded in Acts chapter 1, in verse 8, but ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is a separate experience to the salvation experience. It's an endowment of power from on high. And God wants every one of us to have it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen. So we have, we have the Holy Ghost who's living on the inside of us. That's right. 
And he's living great big on the inside of us. So we're not to be led by the prophets because we have his spirit living in us. You all understand? And that's extremely important because I see it happening all the time. Now, you may not be falling prey to that because maybe you've heard us talk about enough in recent times that you realize that, you know what, I got the Holy Ghost living in me and I got the Word of God. There's my foundation. And so if I'll do what the Bible says, then God will lead me by His Spirit and I don't have to be led by these other... He may confirm something through a prophetic utterance, but yet He's not leading us that way. But you're going to run into people that are being led by Him. Because I see it all the time on Facebook. I see it all the time on YouTube. I see it constantly. And it bothers me when I see that because you set yourself up. When you follow, follow after men and not follow after the, the Word of God, the Word has to be the final authority. Yes. It has to be. That's why we're going into great detail talking about these things because the Word has to be the foundation that you're building your spiritual life on. It has to be based upon this book right here, the Bible. It cannot be based upon just things people are saying. It's got to be based upon the Word of God. Amen. Amen. And we can't stress that point enough. So we don't want to get in trouble. Amen. Amen. Matter of fact, turn to Acts chapter 21. Hallelujah. I got to find this place right here. All right, this is Agabus the prophet. Now I want you to notice something here. So here's Paul and Luke at Philip the evangelist's house. Let's pick it up here in the eighth verse. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was coming to us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now notice what he did. He, he told them something that was going to happen, but he never provided guidance to him. Yeah. Are you listening? Yeah. See, we're not guided by prophets. Yes, he revealed something that was going to take place. There's no doubt that the Apostle Paul knew something was going to happen. I'm convinced of that. Because he had stood in office as a prophet, now he's an apostle. There's no doubt that he knew what was coming. Yeah. And, what, and, and what Agabus did is he just confirmed what was going to take place. And watch what it says here in verse 12. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and break mine heart? For I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying the will of the Lord be done. But Agabus came and told them something, but he did not give him guidance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I'm convinced he, can, he, he confirmed something to him yeah. that Paul most likely already knew. Yeah. Yeah. That this is what's going to happen when you go to Jerusalem. This is what they're going to do. 
That's why Paul said, hey, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to do this. I'm willing to die. So one line took it like it caught him off guard. It wasn't like Paul said, whoa, 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 wait, let me have a little, I might need to rethink this. He didn't bat an eye, did he? No, but see, he didn't provide him guidance. He just showed him what was going to happen. He didn't tell him to go do it or not do it. Y'all listening? Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So we're not to be led by prophets. We're supposed to be led by our spirits. Glory to God. Following his lead. I remember when the Lord told us to come back to Belleville and pioneer a church. When we graduated from Bible school, he told us, I remember sitting in school one day during exaltation class, I was sitting there and we were sitting in section A and I was sitting there next to my wife, had my arm around her and uh, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to go to my lost sheep and teach them the word of God. He said, because they're scattered abroad as sheep without a shepherd. And I didn't quite realize the full significance of that until this year. I've noticed it more this year than I ever noticed it before. And that was a long time ago. Because I've seen it more this year than I've ever seen it. In all the meetings we did in the tent this year, I saw more hungry people than I've ever seen before. Wherever we went, I saw hungry people. And it just seemed like they got hungrier and hungrier from one meeting to the next meeting to the next meeting. Because so many people are not being taught the Word of God. And that's heartbreaking. Because it's so important to us. So the Lord said, I want you to go. That's what I want you to do. And then, and then he had also already spoke to me about going into the tent ministry. And so we did that. And we traveled in tent ministry and was very happy to do that. And we preached in churches and different places, you know, did open air meetings. And, and, and then we, you know, preached in a lot of different churches around the country. But then the Lord started talking to me about coming back here and pioneering the church. And I didn't want to. Just being honest about it, I did not want to. I fought him over it for two years. And I knew that if I got too close to him, he was going to tell me to go to Belmont Pioneer Church. So I would only pray up to a certain level, and then I would kind of stop. Because I knew if I prayed past that point, it was go to Belmont and Pioneer Church. And I just, I just didn't want to, you know. Why? Because I just didn't want to. <laughs> you know? But it's, 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 you know, it's got its challenges. If you want to preach and teach the word, it's got its challenges. If you want to entertain, it's not so bad. But if you want to preach and teach the word, it's got its challenges. Because people don't want to necessarily hear the word. Because when you hear the word, then God expects you to act upon the word and put it to practice. But I'm here to tell you, doing what the word says is far better. Far better. Because then you know God's on your side. And God will bless his word. Amen. So we was doing a meeting actually down in Cahokia at a Baptist church, no less. And uh, being spirit-filled as we are, 
You know, we had spirit-filled people showing up. And so I remember a lady came to me one night after the service, and I'd been wrestling with the Lord about it, you know, for two years. And uh, we'd actually been down to Houston. We was doing a meeting down there, and, and I was praying one morning, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, grace is running out. He said, I told you to go to Belleville Pioneer Church. Now, are you going to obey me or not? Well, I knew when he puts it that way that you have to obey him. Okay? And so I said, Lord, I'll go. So I remember we was down there in, in Cahokia. We was doing a meeting and, uh, at this Baptist church, and a lady walked up to me and she said, is there any other church around here that teaches like this? And I said, there will be. I said, there will be real soon. And then the Lord led us back. But then when he led us back, he was very specific to me. He said, I want you to go to the south side of Belleville. And why was that? Well, one reason is because we had ministered in different churches in O'Fallon and different parts around here. We had ministered in churches, and so we didn't want them to think we were trying to steal their church members because we weren't. I would not have come back here to Pioneer Church if the Lord hadn't told me. I didn't want to. And one of the reasons, I had been an associate pastor, and I didn't want a pastor, because I know what pastors go through. So I really didn't want to do that either. But I had to yield to the Spirit and listen to what the Holy Ghost said. And so he said, I want you to go to the south side of Belleville. And so we came to Belleville, you know, and once the Lord, once I made that decision, in 30 days we were back here. That's one thing, you know, and when the Lord tells me something, once I get that settled, after I wrestle with him a little bit, once I get that settled, then I'm like, I'm all over it. And so, I mean, 30 days, we were back here. We contacted all the churches that supported us. We told them we're going back to Pioneer Church, and we're doing this and this. And we called the pastors in this area we did meetings with and said, hey, if, it's, if you all don't want us to come, we won't. You know, kind of hoping they'd say, no, don't come. But <laughs> no, they all said, no, just come on, come on, come on. You know, so we came, you know, doing what the Lord said. And so where are you going to go? We didn't know where to go. All I knew was the south side of Belleville. So we just got in the car and drove around the south side of Belleville. And I didn't even realize the executive inn was a hotel over here, you know. And so we drove by and, and the Lord said, I want you to go left right here. So we turned left. This was before they put the little circles in down here. We turned left and went down. And there's the executive inn. I thought, well, there's a hotel room. We could, you know, we'd stop then. Do you have meeting rooms? They said, yeah, we do. He said, this is where I want you to start. So we said, Okay. So we did that. Amen. Started out there. And then we realized, you know, that wasn't going to, you know, we weren't going to stay there very long. One is because the, the, the you know, just the getting in and out of the room was kind of tough and stuff like that. And, and uh, really it just kind of, we grew, I grew it real fast. And so then the Lord said, I want you to, uh, you need to make a move. I said, all right, well, where are we going to go? And so he said, just drive. So we just got in the car and drove, and we drove down 159, and we went by Carpet Mart, and they had built a whole new building there. And uh, there was one had a sign for a lease. The Lord said, right there, that's where I want you to go. So we said, okay. So we just pulled in there. I talked to the owner, and I said, hey, I said, we'd like to lease your building. He said, well, I don't know. And he said, you know, what are you? I said, well, we're full gospel. Okay. Well, his aunt was a full gospel. And he helped her build brush arbors, where she preached brush arbor meetings. And so, you know, he said, eh, I don't know, I don't know. I said, well, I said, you know, I said, I want to lease that building. And so he said, you really want? I said, yeah, I do. 
He said, thank you for Florida. I said, I know I can. He said, well, okay, I'll lease it to you. So I said, all right, you want us to you know, sign a lease? He said, no, just shake my hand. He said, you shake my hand. He said, I'm old school. He said, you shake my hand. He said, you got it as long as you want. So we shook hands, and that's the way it went. That's the way it started. So we moved in there. Wasn't a lot long. We outgrew that part. We said, all right, we need to move. So we changed. We had, he had another part of the building. We said, we want to rent some more of your building. Yeah. You sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. You need it? I said, yeah, we need it. Mm-hmm. Well, can you afford it? I said, yeah, we can afford it. Yeah. <laughs> he said, okay. You want to sign a lease? No. He said, I'll shake your hand. <laughs> so we shook hands on it. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. But see, when you're, the new, when you're the new show in town, everybody comes. But whenever they see that you're not going to give in to this, that, or the other thing, and you're going to stay true to the Word of God, then they don't always want to hang around. Hello? Oh, yeah. We experienced it. We saw it. But see, the Lord told us every step. But He only gave us one step at a time because that's how He leads you. He doesn't show you the whole thing. He takes you one step at a time. And the, the people I had come to me and said, you know, I know what you're preaching is right, but if I go there, if I, if I continue to come, I've got to live the Bible, and I don't want to live it. I thought, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. You don't want to live the Word? Seriously? And without fail, every single one of those people are on this spiritual junk heap right now. Every single, I mean, I'm telling you, every single one of them are on the spiritual junk heap right now. And that's just the saddest thing. Because they don't want to do what the Word says. But if you do what the Word says, you'll be blessed. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. And that's be led by the inward man. So God led us in every step of the way to do everything that we've done. He's always led us. Everywhere we've gone, everything we've done is by the unction of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, the inward voice, inward, inward man has a voice just like the outward man has a voice. The inward man, your voice, the inward man, is your conscience. Y'all listening? And so that's the voice of your spirit. And if you're born again in fellowship with God, it's a safe guide. Y'all out there? He'll guide you the right way to go. He'll keep you from doing, making mistakes. Amen? See, just like when I walked in there and lied to that lady, that was a mistake. But he wouldn't let me, you know, why? I, my, my, my spirit condemned me, convicted me, but he gave me the direction I needed to go back and fix it. Yeah. You listen to what I'm saying? Yes. I didn't know what to do. Uh-huh. I made the mistake, I missed it, and then I was convicted. But as I asked him what to do, he told me what to do and went right back in there and fixed it. Amen. Just like with John, they wanted him to tell a lie. He couldn't do it. But what happened? The Holy Ghost gave the direction he needed to do it the right way. Hallelujah. And John outlasted every other salesman in that whole company. Every time they sold and sold and sold and sold and sold again, he always stayed. Glory to God. He was always blessed. Why? Because he did things the right way. Y'all with me? Amen. Amen. All right, so... 
Is it safe to follow the inward man? I'm really running out of time. I don't know if I want to pick up here next time. Are you all getting anything out of this or not? All right. How about just a couple more minutes? Can I have just a couple more minutes? All right. So if you're born again, walking in fellowship with God, is it safe to follow the inward man? Well, turn, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter 31. Hallelujah. We'll show you why you, you can know that it'll be your spirit will be a safe guide. We'll start with the 31st verse. Jeremiah chapter 31. And we'll start with verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in that day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. Verse 33. This is the one I want to look at. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. So notice he said, I'll put my law in their inward parts. What is he talking about? Talking about your spirit. And write it in their hearts. Now he's not talking about writing it in that muscle to pump blood throughout your veins. He's talking about your spirit. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. So he's talking about your spirit, man. Hallelujah. I'll put my law in their inward parts and write them in their hearts. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And notice something the Apostle Paul said about this. Hallelujah. For the sake of time, we're just going to look at the 23rd verse. And notice, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Now, he's not talking about holy like H-O-L-Y, be holy for I'm the unholy, saith the Lord. He's talking about holy or completely. The very God of peace sanctify you holy or completely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now that he's differentiating between the three, your spirit, your soul, and your body. Hallelujah. Be preserved blameless. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, turn if you would to Hebrews chapter 8. So he said there in Jeremiah, that he'll write it in your inward parts 
and write them the law upon your hearts. So he's talking about your inward parts or your hearts. And notice what he says here in Hebrews chapter 8. The Apostle Paul writing to the Hebrew church, he's speaking to them the very thing that God said he would do in Jeremiah. In verse 16, I'm sorry, that's, that's chapter 10. We're going to go there in just a minute. Verse eight is verse, chapter 8 is verse 10. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them, where? In their hearts, in their spirits. And I'll be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. So I'll put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts. Hallelujah. All right, now just look over, flip over a page or so to the 10th chapter and 16th verse. And so he says this, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in hearts and in their minds will I write them. So he's talking about putting his laws in our hearts. Yeah. Hallelujah. All right. So is our conscience, is our spirit a safe guide being born again and in fellowship with God? Absolutely. Now, one of the things we have to understand is when he's talking about laws, now, there's, people say, well, does that mean that we don't have to fulfill the Ten Commandments so we don't even have to be concerned about any of that? Well, it's all in how you look at it. We're living in a new covenant. And in the new covenant, we've got a new law. In John chapter 13, the Gospel of John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said this, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you have love one for another. So he said a new commandment. In other words, he gave us a new law. The new law is the law of love. It is the most important law that a believer could ever have in their life. It is the one law that we live by as a born-again believer in the new covenant. And it's by that law that all men know we're his disciples. Because that's exactly what Jesus said. Y'all listen to me? That one law. Now, turn if you would to Romans chapter 13. So there's a law of love that we're supposed to fulfill. Romans chapter 13. And we're going to look, start with verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Notice that. Owe no man anything but to love one another. 
Hallelujah. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So if you walk in love, you fulfill the law. Now, he's talking, he says, oh, no man, anything. Now, some people have taken that and they've got just immature Christians and they went off and gotten, you know, and, and made a lot of statements and told people it was a sin for you to borrow money or anything like that. And there's nothing further from the truth. Because if it was a sin to borrow money, it'd be a sin to lend money. And if it's a sin to lend money, then, then God would be a partner to sin. Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 28 that God wants us to be the head and not the tail, above only not beneath. He wants us to lend and not have to borrow. So if it's a sin to borrow, it would be a sin to lend, wouldn't it? So that means if I was to lend something to John, I'd cause him to sin if it was a sin to borrow. Y'all listen? That's not what he's talking about. What he's actually saying here is that there's one debt that you can never pay. It's one that never be fulfilled because you have to do it for everybody. All the time. In other words, you can't pay it off. See, other debts you can pay off. You know, you borrow money, say you borrow $100. Once you pay the $100 back, it's paid off. But see, this is a debt you can never pay off. And you owe it to every man. Okay? Verse 9. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery... Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this, saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So love works no ill to his neighbor. Now think about that. That means if you're walking in love, you're not going to do anything to hurt or harm your neighbor. That's right. So you're not going to covet after their stuff. No. You're not going to bear false witness against them. You're not going to kill them or take their life. You're not going to hurt or harm them. You're not going to do any of those things. If you love someone, you will not treat them badly. Love worketh no ill to its neighbor. Amen. Okay? Yes. Now, how do I walk in that love? Well, God didn't expect you to do it on your own. He gave you something to help you. What did he give you? His love. That's right. In Romans 5, 5, turn there and we'll finish with this scripture and pick up here next time. In Romans chapter 5, And hope make it not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the ghost which is given unto us. Where is the love of God shed abroad in us? In our hearts. When he's talking about our heart, what's he talking about? Talking about our spirit. So the love of God is shed abroad in our spirit by the Holy Ghost. And so when he says love is the fulfillment of the law, then that means he gave us the love to fulfill it with in the first place. So we have his love on the inside of us. So he's not expecting us to rely on our natural human love. He's expecting us to tap into his love that he put on the inside of us because God is love. Amen. The Bible talks about it. First John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. Why? For God is love. Amen? Hallelujah. So he is love. God's love. 
His spirit lives on the inside of us. That means the love spirit of the love God is living on the inside of us. That means because we're his children, we become love children of a love God. It's not like what they did back in the 60s and 70s. It's just all free love, peace, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's not what it is. It's talking about his love is in our hearts. So he enables us to love people and then not to work ill towards our neighbor. And so men are going to know we're his disciples because we love one another. It's no wonder the world looks at the church and thinks we're crazy when they look at the church fighting against one another. Come on. I mean, to this whole pandemic situation where churches turning other churches in for having church because they didn't want to have church because they was afraid. But this person over here wanted to have church, but they just turned them in anyway. And they come and locked up the preachers. That's not that's that's working ill towards your neighbor. If you don't want to do it, they're not condemning you for not having church, but don't condemn them for having church. And the people in the world look at us like when we do things like that and they think, what's wrong with these people? Whenever the Bible says, by love shall all men know we're his disciples. So love's so important to us. And his love is shed abroad in our hearts, in our spirits by the Holy Ghost. Say it out loud. loud. Say, God's love love is shed abroad abroad in my heart, in my my spirit, by the Holy Ghost who lives in me. I'm a love child of a love God. And I love my brother. And I love my sister. And I love my neighbor. I'll work no ill towards my neighbor. Because I love my neighbor. I even love my enemies. And I pray for them. I may not condone what they do. But I pray for them anyway. Because I love them. Because God put his love on the inside of me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now you'll see next time we get into this, how important this is in being, having our conscience be a safe guide. You'll see how important love is to that. Because it's extremely important. When we walk in love, when we understand the significance of of love that's on the inside of us, when we conduct our affairs in life, we'll see exactly how important that love is to us being led by the Spirit. Because in essence, His Spirit's the Spirit of love. He's going to lead us in love. And how we react, how we respond. And we have to deal with that. We have to learn that, how important that is. Amen? Because in learning how to be led by the Spirit, we're also going to teach you how to train your spirit. How many of y'all want to train your human spirit? Oh yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it's important. You get your spirit man trained, and it'll be like a whole new life. Because I mean, the Holy Ghost will be right there all the time to give you direction. Even in the little things of life. Not just in the big things. See, stop looking for spectacular manifestations for God to lead you. Don't be looking for visions. Don't be looking for angels. Be looking to be led by your spirit. Well, doesn't God do angels? Yeah, he does. 
But you look at the people that he's done that to and look back through their life and how many times did it happen over the whole course of their life? Maybe once, maybe twice, yeah, that's right. maybe three times, four times, some people more than that, but very, very few. You'd make it, you'd, you'd, it would make you think that that's how people are all led by these spectacular manifestations, but they're not. No. That only happens once in a great while. And it's all as the Spirit wills, not as we will. But see, we can be led by the Spirit every single moment of every single day. And it can, be, it can turn into some of the most spectacular things just by the slightest leading the very slightest thing. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. It'll be a blessing to you. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that your word is working in the hearts and lives of each and every one of us. Lord, we give you glory and honor for that. We thank you, Lord God, that as we endeavor to be led by your spirit and walk in the light of the word, Lord, our conscience becomes a safe guide. And Lord, you'll lead us, you'll guide us, You'll show us things to come. Lord, you'll bless us. You'll help us. Lord God, you'll strengthen us. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, you'll lead us down the perfect path, the path that you want us to go. Doesn't mean there may not be obstacles, but Lord, you'll bring us through every single one victorious. And Lord, we give you glory for that. In Jesus' precious and wonderful and holy name, amen. Hallelujah. All right, you need prayer for anything tonight? Want us to pray for you, minister to you, lay hands on you, get up out of your seat and come. We'll pray for you and God will touch you. I believe that with all my heart.